if you're breaking your fast with quote unquote healthy food, you'll start to gravitate more towards that because you can really taste the nutrition in it when you're you know, breaking your fast. I don't know if that's something you've experienced personally, but I can definitely attest to that. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. We have Benjamin Smith joining us today. He grew up in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., although he was born in Birmingham, England. He attributes some of his best qualities to the English influence his father provided, including a passion for soccer and the importance of self-deprecation. He attended a small private school and later entered Wake Forest University, where he studied communications and entrepreneurship. Ben has been creating opportunities and turning ideas into reality his entire life. During high school, he raised over $40,000 to create and finance a self-sustaining cyber cafe in a small town in Togo. He opened two boutique group training gyms during college and continued growing these businesses for five years. Currently, he's worked for a venture capital firm, a big tech company, and in the nonprofit space as well. Ben moved to Austin, Texas in 2016. Since 2019, he's been focused on his latest venture, Disco Skincare for Men. Ben has the passion and the perseverance to dream big and live even bigger. Ben, how are you today? I'm doing well. That's, that's quite an intro you just gave me. Hopefully this conversation lives up to the hype there. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. And, and uh, I guess you're calling in from Austin, Texas. How is it over there? You know, all things considered, um, it's not a bad place to quarantine. I'm fortunate in that, you know, I'm, I'm still holding on to my job. And, um, you know, the weather here is, is pleasant. And I've been quarantining with my girlfriend for the last four weeks. Right. She lives in New York, so we sort oh, of saw okay. this coming and, uh, you know, had a little bit of uh, foresight to get her out of there before this escalated. But yeah, it's been it's been an interesting four weeks, as I'm sure most people would attest to. Um, but again, just, you know, fortunate to still be working on something and, uh, you know, especially something I'm passionate about. What, what about you? How's your uh, how's your quarantine been going? It hasn't been going bad. I'm I'm actually an introvert, so for me, like being quarantined suits my lifestyle just fine. So it really hasn't changed my lifestyle much. I mean, I I am getting a little antsy, um, but uh, I the golf courses are open and we are practicing social distancing. So I've been able to like go out there and hit some golf balls. So it's been the weather's been nice, and it's it's definitely creating a little itch so to get out more often. So. Yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a big golfer myself, but I can understand that it could probably be quite meditative if you um, you know went out there alone and walked walked the 18 holes or whatever, you know, every morning or every other morning, you know, during the quarantine for sure. Exactly. And interesting, your line of work is consistent with some of the podcast episodes that I've done in the past. And the theme about what I like to talk about is how we can boost our immune system, utilizing different ways and, and modalities to help us heal. And I talk about a lot about things that we put into our bodies like food and talk about supplements and even in my book talks about these things too. But there's a whole nother component and that is environmental exposure as well as chemicals that we put on our body. And interesting enough, what I, what I, I'm aware of, but I haven't had the opportunity 
opportunity to talk about this and I'm hoping we can get into this together, but the utilization of personal care products. And it's, it's important to note that there are hundreds and hundreds of chemicals in these products that we put onto our body on a daily basis. And women are, have probably utilized more of these personal care products than men. So talk to us about these toxins and chemicals in our products and how it play, has a role in our health. For sure. So you know, to your point about environmental factors, I think that's an often overlooked element of sort of like the holistic picture of taking care of yourself. Um, you know, some folks that are more into taking care of themselves, like I imagine, you know, including yourself and myself, you know, we get the full picture because we've had the good fortune of, you know, surrounding ourselves with people that, you know, bring awareness to this. But, you know, the vast majority of people in this country, you know, have zero awareness to no fault of their own, by the way, because they're not actively seeking out this information, um, you know, that the products that they use around their house, you know, on their face, you know, in their bathroom, you know, to clean their car, etc., you know, typically speaking, are, are, are really just not good for you. And, you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands of various chemicals that you know, we could talk about here, and I, I don't necessarily have like a molecular knowledge of each of them, but I can tell you that you know the vast majority of products um, that you buy off the shelves that you use, as I said, in your bathroom and on the house and whatnot, you know, you probably should uh, start to read the label on, um, just because you know they can have longer-term effects on on your skin, um, with your hormones, specifically with like plastics and whatnot. Um, you know, this is definitely a rabbit hole we can go down, but, you know, I think it's just important to bring awareness to it. Um, that's really the first step in sort of improving how you think about, you know, the products you use in and around your body. Exactly. And it's, it's in everything that we are applying onto our skin, onto our face, onto our head. There are various products that have so many different chemicals. The more products that we use, we're actually going to be more exposed and it can cause detriment to our health. You would think that it's only surface that it actually takes effect, but no, it's these chemicals get absorbed into our body and it can have an effect on our systemic uh, circulation, which can impair our body's defense systems. And right now where we're facing um, the threat of the virus, it's really important to do things naturally um, and easily to boost our immune system. And obviously we, I talk about foods um, and things that you put into your system and you need to optimize what the intake is. But at the same point, we need to really address what we're applying on our skin. And you have a line of products that are specifically for men. Can you talk to us a little bit about your line and what kinds of things that you focus on in putting into each product? For sure. So my background, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, is mostly in health and wellness. Started two boutique gyms when I was in college. So over the last you know, six, seven years, maybe even eight or nine, I, I've really been focused on, you know, gaining as much knowledge as I can, both on the fitness side of things, and then on the recovery side of things as well, which is inclusive of, you know, sleep, food, um, mobility, etc. Um, I'd include supplementation there too, a little bit. But, you know, that subset of interests, you know, led me to essentially uh, revamp my entire personal care regimen, and, you know, what that consists of is, you know, the things I put on my skin, you know, for skincare products, things I use in my shower, and then, you know, the things I use on the top of my head with my hair and beyond, really. And, and that also includes my house, too. You know, we don't have house products yet, maybe one day, but, you know, that's, that's sort of tangentially related. And, you know, when you pair that 
part of my career with my upbringing, which involved uh, a very prominent dermatologist, actually, you know, in your area, um, Dr. Eva Simmons O'Brien, since we grew up in the same area, you know, she has been involved since the ground floor of, you know, me starting this business and was very influential in making sure that, you know, despite, you know, me, you know, sort of guiding the ship as far as, you know, our thesis goes around ingredients. So minimal ingredient count, you know, wanting to use active ingredients that actually work, but at the same time, you know, are not harmful to other, you know, key mechanisms of the body. And, you know, really just making sure that, you know, this line is a reflection of my personal beliefs, which is, you know, it's possible to use skincare products that, you know, are good for you but at the same time also work and have some clinical integrity behind them. But again, most importantly, you know, are not necessarily detrimental to other parts of your body because at the end of the day, most people don't, I mean, it honestly took me starting this company to even acknowledge this, you know, this, the skin is, is one of the largest organs in the body and it absorbs pretty much everything um, that you put on it, obviously, and it has to go right. somewhere, right? So if you're putting things on your skin that are not good for you, your body has to you know, process and metabolize that. So when we built this line, I, I made sure to include ingredients that you know, were better for you, sort of natural and clean, if you will. Um, you know, our line is vegan. We never test on animals. We're free of all the, the free radicals and, and chemicals that you know, many sort of pharmacy brands have. But at the same time, you know, we had Dr. Eva collaborating with us on the formulation process to make sure we were including active ingredients that actually did something. And, you know, you actually could benefit from using the product because, you know, with guys in particular, we, we actually conducted a, uh, a market study before we launched and to understand and inform what our product suite would look like. And one of the major things that guys were after in the study particularly was, was feeling something and, and feeling like there was actual, an actual benefit to the product. So, you know, generally speaking, women are more willing to buy products that have sort of longer term benefits because they understand that this is more of a long-term play. So with guys, they really want to feel something almost immediately. So the way we combated that was obviously including those great active ingredients, but also including a very low percentage essential oil, eucalyptus specifically, so that they felt they physically felt something when they applied our products. So yeah, that's a little bit about how we thought about the formulation process and how we arrived at you know our current line of products, which includes about seven products. And could you specify what products that you have available? Yeah. So, you know, some of our competitors that launched around the same time as us, um, you know, really wanted to focus on one or two products that launched, which generally speaking from a business standpoint makes a lot of sense. Our thesis was actually to go a little bit more of the contrarian route, which is we wanted to launch with a full line. Um, so essentially launched with five skincare products, which includes a face moisturizer, a cleanser stick, which is actually applied like a deodorant, but on your face with charcoal, uh, a face scrub, a eye stick for you know bagginess and depuffing the area under your eyes, as well as a face mask that helps purify and sort of help with you know uneven skin tones and blotches on your skin. And then we also launched with two basics or body essentials, as we call them, which includes a deodorant and a body wash. And the reason for that was that you know we thought, okay, you know we had this survey and this market data that shows you know roughly twenty percent of guys over the age of twenty four are using skincare products, which is a very low percentage. That's going to grow exponentially over the next decade and beyond each year. How can we capture folks that are obviously all using some form of deodorant or antiperspirant and body wash or bard soap, you know, introduce them to cleaner versions of what they're already using in that department, and then persuade them or upsell them, if you will, into using skincare products. So that's sort of the rationale behind 
behind the mechanics of the products we chose. And, and the ingredients, it's really interesting because all the ingredients that you have are things that actually work to moisturize the body and the skin and exfoliates. But there's also ingredients that you utilize like charcoal and vitamins like vitamin C and vitamin E. And all these kind of have a, a role in its antioxidant qualities. But it's interesting, the charcoal, I didn't know that could be also applied topically. I have always uh, assumed charcoal was something that you actually take internally. And it, it is utilized to actually um, pull toxins and bind toxins um, before it actually gets absorbed into the system. How does that work um, on the topical areas? Yeah. So an interesting thing about charcoal is that it's actually commodogenic, which means technically it can actually clog pores. But if used topically and washed off immediately, that that effect of sort of clogging the pores is sort of a moot point. And it's a really, really powerful ingredient in terms of uh, the surface area. So that product in particular um, one, it works very hard to extract toxins and sort of purify the skin by, you know, being applied to the face and basically binding to the sort of dirt and other sort of various things you don't want on your face. But what's important to note is that that product actually lasts quite a long time. So mm-hmm. one of the problems we identified with the skincare market was that, you know, most of these companies are selling, you know, vessels in the, in the sort of size range of about 0.5 ounces up to about 1.5 ounces. And if you actually use the products, you know, as you're supposed to, you know, you'll run out very quickly, anywhere from like three to five weeks with a, with a size like that. So we wanted to provide a little bit more value to guys, perhaps at the detriment to our margins and our reorder rates, just because, you know, as a guy, you know, the very nature of starting to use a skincare product, is sort of like a foreign idea. So what we didn't want to do was, you know, come to market with, you know, average size vessels and then sort of run the risk of annoying them at the fact that they continually have to rebuy this product, you know, once a month. So, you know, we're moving towards a quarterly model where, you know, this isn't public yet, but eventually we'll have a quarterly box where you can sort of pick and choose the SKUs you want, and then they'll be delivered every three months to your door. And that way, you know, from a business side of things, you know, we're still getting, you know, four or so orders annually from each customer. And that's great for our business. But at the same time, you know, we're really putting the customer first and making sure that, you know, there's not, you know, an inundation of orders and charges on their card. So the customer experience is a little bit better. And to sort of backtrack a little bit to a more granular part of your question, um, you know, ingredients like charcoal are included in each one of our SKUs. So we have anywhere from sort of one to four hero ingredients in each SKU. And, you know, thanks to, you know, Dr. Eva and the cosmetic chemist we worked out, um, you know, in California with to develop these products, we really landed on a strong group. And, you know, V1 of this company and these, and these products has been performing super, super well. So, you know, it's only going to get better from here. Oh, that's awesome. And I also like the fact that you have eucalyptus in, in some of your uh, products too. And it's like, it actually has some benefits in terms of it being utilized topically. But I like it because... It also helps to relax the person and it has some, some benefits in just reducing anxiety and just helping to relax the person. So I'm sure people get that benefit of its skin effects as well as a sort of a mental aspect when it gets absorbed into the skin and into your systemic circulation. 
Absolutely. Um, and not to dwell too much on the eucalyptus side of things, but you know, you may uncover if you do some uh, high-level Google research, <laughs> um, as I'm sure you know yourself and many of your readers, and including me, do. Um, you might come across some some literature that basically says it's not okay to include essential oils in skincare. That's pretty baseless. Um, we did quite a bit of research into that and obviously confided in multiple dermatologists, including Dr. Eva, and you had a very, very low percentage. It's, you know, nothing but beneficial to the average user. Of course, there are some people who are, are allergic to eucalyptus, which is right. a very small subset of folks, you know, 0.001, who knows what it is, but you know, you can't please everyone. And one thing that's really important to note when it comes to skincare is, you know, there is no one size fits all company for everybody. You know, we're trying to be that as best we can. But at the end of the day, you know, certain products and ingredients react differently for everyone. So, you know, a very small percentage of, you know, you know, triers for, you know, every skincare brand will not end up, you know, liking the product or, you know, their skin may react adversely. So that's important to note. But, you know, generally speaking, the idea of including eucalyptus was a direct response, you know, to that survey we conducted where, you know, guys really wanted to feel something. And, you know, as someone who, you know, sort of is religious to his essential oil diffuser at my desk, I definitely wanted to include eucalyptus just because it's such a pleasant scent to me. And I'm glad okay. that you're also the same way. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of eucalyptus, and I love peppermint. Those are my two favorite things to to you really. And me both. Uh, just it's just it, I don't know. It makes me. It would awakens me, and it just soothes and relaxes me almost instantly after I uh, smell that oil. I totally agree. I actually have um, eucalyptus diffusing right next to me right now. Yeah, <laughs> I have peppermint diffusing next to me. <laughs> so with your, you have a a pretty decent, I would imagine, a personal routine um, that you probably have been doing it for a while with the skincare, your exercise regimen. I mean, what kind of tips can you offer people to help improve their health and well-being? Yeah, loaded question, but one that I, that I love. Uh, so my routine is a little bit maniacal. Um, I can take you through it as quickly as I can. And hopefully at the end can sort of just offer some high level uh, recommendations for, you know, listeners that are just dipping their toes in the, in the environment of trying to better themselves. But, you know, a typical day for me, you know, just looking at like a regular weekday, you know, looks like waking up just naturally without an alarm sometime between seven and seven thirty. you know, at that point, you know, obviously, you know, <laughs> use the restroom as most people do and then brush my teeth. And then I actually, um, I actually stand in front of the Juve, the red light uh, therapy device, um, which is in my office hanging from my door. Mm -hmm. I've found, you know, whether it's placebo or not, that to be super helpful um, in terms of just waking me up and, you know, in terms of helping, you know, cellular turnover in my skin, especially on my face. Sure. There's also some purported benefits for testosterone as well. So yeah, it's definitely a little funky, but I stand in front of that thing naked every morning for about 15 minutes, seven minutes on each side. And then from there, you know, it's typically, you know, chugging of quite a bit of room temperature water and then, you know, apple cider vinegar. Then I make my smoothie, which is um, pretty high in protein and fat and low in carbohydrate. And then I'll take my supplements. And after that, you know, I either try to go for a walk or do some basic uh, yoga or some sort of like animal flow just to get, you know, the blood moving in my body. Um, you know, after that, you know, it's about eight to 10 hours of work, depending on the day. And then, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, I will, um, I will train. And typically that's at Equinox, but obviously that's closed right now. So 
have built an, uh, a little bit of a home gym in my garage now with a bench, a pull-up bar, some kettlebells, some maces, um, what else? Some bands and some gymnastics rings and tools as well. So, you know, training for me is really a mixture of um, compound weightlifting movements. So mm-hmm. squat, bench, press, as well as some kettlebell work. And then some sort of like, you know, bodybuilding bro style workouts as well, just to keep me sane and, and make sure that I enjoy my workouts. And then typically we'll finish with some sort of core work or some conditioning as well um, to boost testosterone um, in the form of HIIT training. And that's actually all done by one of my good friends, Jesse O'Brien. He programs all of my workouts here in Austin and has done for three or four years now. So that's sort of the general routine. I typically get to bed um, hopefully by 11 each night so that I'm getting a solid eight to eight and a half hours. And I find I've, I've personally found as I'm sure you'd probably agree that, you know, sleep and food are probably the biggest macro changes you can make in your life to make a huge dent in how you feel and how long you live, hopefully too. So, you know, there's a many, there's many other sorts of like more fringe things I do. Um, you know, I take a sauna and cold plunge as much as I can with some contrast therapy. I've done NAD therapy. Um, I've experimented a little bit with peptides, um, and there's other things as well, but generally speaking that that's sort of my routine. And I think in terms of recommending how to change your life, um, in a simple way, I think at the very least you should be shooting for eight hours of sleep every night. And I think that's probably a pretty unanimous recommendation for most of your guests on the podcast, but you know, I can't stress enough how much my life has improved from, you know, my career to my emotions, to my relationships with both friends and, um, you know, my lady. And, you know, that's all really to do with sleep. And, you know, in addition to that, I think getting a handle on food and, you know, really taking control of, you know, your urges and sort of addictions there, if you have any, is another really powerful way to, you know, live longer and feel better. And, you know, I think just the very nature of cutting out like processed foods is a a good natural first step. And then you can get more and more crazy and more, you know, meticulous with it over time as you start to, um, you know, feel the benefits of that. But those would really be my my biggest two, you know, happy to go down the rabbit hole on any sort of on any sort of the more fringe stuff that I've done, like NAD and whatnot. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical eBooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. What really intrigued me was because of your background with exercises and, and, and training gyms that you had opened, I'm sure you're, you're, since you're quarantined and you're unable to go to the gym, it's interesting that we still have to have some sort of exercise regimen. And 
Do you have anything specifically that you've adapted to now that we're quarantined? Like things that people can do and should do on a regular basis that you've, you've actually transitioned from a gym into your home? So like I said, I'm fortunate in that I saw this coming a little bit, not in the sense that like I was fortunate enough to short the market and make a ton of money or anything, but I sort of, towards the end of February, you know, I had a trip planned um, around mid-March to go to Miami for music week, big music fan. And I sort of saw some of these cancellations coming and I was like, you know what? Like, I think this is going to escalate like exponentially in the event that like obviously gyms get closed down. Like I need to order a bunch of stuff from Rogue Fitness like right now. So wow. I was, I was pretty fortunate. Um, you know, my girlfriend was like, eh, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if you should spend that money. And I was like, you know what? Like, let's just do it and then we can return it if we're not happy. So I bought a bunch of stuff then. So in terms of my workouts changing, not, not in like a, a crazy way because I still have a barbell with plates up to like almost 400 pounds. I have the bench, um, which I can bench on. And then I have the pull-up bar too. But if you're, if you're someone who, you know, doesn't have that equipment at your disposal, you know, definitely try to get a kettlebell if you can, just because this is a great time to learn uh, a modality like kettlebell training. And if that's not uh, of availability to you, you know, just moving the very nature of walking 30 minutes to an hour every day is a huge, great start. And if you want to get a little bit more serious with it and sort of maintain your, your physique, if you will, and potentially improve it, I'd recommend, um, you know, getting into animal flows. So that's something that I've always been really interested in. And here in Austin, there's a bunch of people, including some of my close friends, that are sort of some of the champions of that movement. Um, you know, two people that you should definitely look up are um, Primal.Soldier on Instagram, great for kettlebell flows and animal flows. And then his girlfriend, Francesca Fit, on Instagram as well. She's particularly um, adept at animal flows. And I, I sort of copy some of their... Um, workouts when I'm not doing one of my four prescribed workouts by my coach. So, you know, those are, are great modalities that really teach you how to connect with your body and move in really unique and different ways that frankly, in my opinion, are really good for you because you're exposing, you're exposing your, your body to movements and, and, you know, exposing muscles that you don't often use to new styles, which, you know, can't really be bad for you. And, you know, to make it more enjoyable, they're pretty fun too. And once you get good at it, you can move in really crazy ways and it's really addicting. So, you know, that was, that's definitely what I would do. I'm unfamiliar with the animal flow. What exactly is that? Yeah. So you don't need any equipment for it. Um, you know, you can work in kettlebells and stuff to it and maces if you want, but typically speaking, it's just moving your body in really unique ways. So I think once, you know, after this call, I can, um, I can send you some and I think you'll probably recognize it right away after seeing it visually. But you know, you're, I can't really describe the movements too, because they don't really have, you know, names that are recognizable, if you will. But you know, you're essentially doing like weird lunges and, you know, moving your back and yeah, it's just, it's just really difficult to describe, but you know, there are some really great resources out there, like the two accounts I mentioned and some others as well that can teach you, you know, step-by-step step how to get better at it and um, you know, really connect with yourself. And I think, you know, a big part of animal flows is also breath work too, which I didn't mention in my routine, but I'm also a big you know advocate for um, Wim Hof style breathing. And there's a bunch of other different, you know, techniques as well. But, you know, as part of animal flows, breath is definitely, you know, a big part of it too. So you get the benefit of, um, you know, really calming your nervous system and connecting with your breath too, which is great. 
and all those things that you've described in terms of your routine are very beneficial in helping boost the immune system and detoxifying your body. So when you're using the, the red light therapy, it helps to detoxify the body, to stimulate the mitochondria. And it has such great benefits in terms of anti-aging. It, it's wonderful. And all the other things that you're also doing in terms of your exercise routine, your workouts, the diet, it just has an overall general improvement in one's well-being. And with your, you know, your, your niche with skincare, this is really important to talk about because all these things that you're doing, including the products that you are advocating for and that you promote, it all helps with um, detoxification and, and improvement of the skin. And that's awesome that it's, everything is in continuity with one another to help promote and improve people's health and well-being. I totally agree. And, um, you know, candidly, I, I have had you know, my, my battles with my skin as, as a lot of people have. And, um, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, I had a past relationship with, um, a gal that struggled pretty deeply with what she thought was horrific acne, like to the, to the naked eye or her friends and family, even me, you know, dating her were like, Oh, that's not really that big of a deal. And ironically enough, after we stopped dating, I started suffering from something similar to, to her. And I can't say enough how important it is to address acne, especially if it's bothering and affecting your mental health. So with me, you know, I was obviously acutely aware because I'd like to think I'm a pretty rational person that like, listen, not that many people will notice this. It's not really that big of a deal. But for whatever reason, it continually beat me up. So this was right before I started disco as well. So that's also part of the motivation for me starting the business. But it's, it's really important to address this, um, you know, these skin issues if you're suffering from them and do your best to you know, fix it if you can naturally. And, you know, that's typically inclusive of, you know, basic lifestyle changes, which include sleeping more, drinking a lot more water, um, cutting out, you know, things that bother your, um, your gut and uh, your digestive system, which for a lot of people includes dairy and um, refined carbohydrates. So, you know, those changes definitely helps. And, you know, getting natural skin peels and really rebalancing my gut flora and then the actual flora of my skin as well essentially solved the problem. But it was a long, long couple of months of trying a bunch of different things and being really frustrated. Um, and unfortunately for some people, they kind of have to go the nuclear route, which is a little bit of a controversial opinion given that I run a natural skincare company. But for some people, like they just can't get a hold of the problem and will have to go on Accutane. Yeah, I would just wish... Understandably, if that's the last resort, which it should be, and, not, and it should not be the first time, 100%. Line, I totally agree, and I'm, I'm for it. And, but it's important to, to note that everything that we're talking about is just a, a multitude of different ways to help you achieve well-being, and it's a balance, you know, the mind, body, and the spirit. And here we're talking about, obviously, a large focus is on skincare, but to really optimize the skincare and, and overall, it's about addressing basic things like food intake, because uh, that has a bearing on what your system processes. And if you're processing things that are uh, foreign to your body with chemicals, it not only is going to have a uh, a bearing on how your body reacts internally, but it's also going to show up externally as well. You know, with blemishes and skin rashes and and eczema. Some of these are autoimmune conditions, and the reason why they occur is because it's an inflammatory process that's going on within our body. And these inflammatory processes could be secondary to chemicals we put on our body topically or chemicals that we are ingesting. But nonetheless, if you really want 
skin that's that's healthy and glowing, it's important to really look at your regimen and see if you need to change it from internally as well as topically and externally. So the sleep is huge. This is an uh, uh, an area that I've been really struggling with for many, many years until I started to really employ specific hacks. And uh, I also have a, a tool that I measure um, and I think it's important for people to get wearables. I wear the Aura Ring because it's outstanding in terms of measuring uh, my sleep and it breaks down my sleep into different uh, cycles, REM sleep, deep sleep, and just regular light sleep. And it also measures my heart rate variability. So this is another thing that I like to use uh, in terms of gauging my progress and getting away from fight or flight and being more in a uh, rest and digest uh, state. And you were also mentioning something, um, uh, you know, the Wim Hof breathing. And I'm a big proponent of performing breathing exercises as I feel that's really a way of really kind of getting your system under control, really winding down your nervous system and focusing on the moment and, and within. And it also allows you to uh, decompress. And also in some cases, it can give you a spiritual kind of enlightenment and it can take you to a different location where you have an out-of-body experience in some cases. You were talking about Wim Hof. Do you, have you been using that for a while? Yeah. So I can't remember exactly when I stumbled across him, but it would have been maybe in 2013 or 2014. So I've been intermittently uh, using breathwork in various forms, particularly Wim Hof, for the last six years or so. Um, and something I didn't mention when I talked about my routine, I'm definitely a big advocate for intermittent fasting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically follow, you know, eight to 10 hour eating windows. So I'm typically fasting from roughly um, seven or 8 p.m. the night before to about nine or 10 p.m. the next day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, adding that in has really changed how I think about food. So I'm a decently large guy, not, not, not huge, but, you know, about 190, 195 pounds. And I eat a lot and train pretty hard. So I've always thought about food as sort of like something you need to eat constantly, especially when I'm training that much. But it's actually quite the contrary. And when you break it down logically, to think that, you know, you're eating up until the last moments before you go to sleep, and then you wake up and you just start consuming again, whether that's like loaded coffee, or donuts, or whatever it is, the majority of the population eat, you know, that doesn't make any sense. You know, we were built to last for days on on end without food. So just giving your digestive system and your gut, etc, a break just makes a ton of sense to me. And, um, you know, I'm big, big fan of um, the whoop band and the aura band as well. I personally have used the whoop band for about six months. And, you know, I think it's really especially helpful in those you know, first couple months to really gain an understanding and insight into how you recover and feel because someone that's as in tuned with their body as, you know, maybe you or I, we can sort of gauge without those tools, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't really push it in the gym today. I only got six hours of sleep. That's about two hours less than I normally get. I have a little bit of stress at work. I, I can, you sort of know because you have that mind-body connection. But for the majority of people that are learning that still, that sort of skill, if you will, it brings a lot of awareness to them. So, you know, I personally use the whoop to really gain an understanding into my sleep. And after a certain amount of time, like I'd venture to say my opinion, if I just was off the cuff without the whoop would probably be pretty close to, you know, what the data in the whoop would say if I had been wearing it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And um, I, yeah, for me, it was, you know, if you're already having great sleep and you feel restful and you're getting your, your seven to eight hours of sleep, then, you know, obviously there's not a reason to purchase the the wearable. But for me, it was something that I needed because I really needed to figure out and look at data as to why I was so tired all the time. And, 
and and I've employed hacks in my system, you know, to optimize my HRV. And one of the things that was useful for me that was how I used to eat so close to bedtime, and and if I ate a heavy meal my data tracked in such a way that my resting heart rate wouldn't drop any further than, than normal because it was, it was compromised because my system was spending way too much time digesting the food that I had eaten instead of working on repairing my body for sleep. And my heart rate would not go down lower. And typically, you're going to achieve your lowest heart rate in the middle of the night. And I typically wouldn't because I was right before I'd go to bed and it was a heavy meal, like, you know, like, like a steak meal or something to that effect. And it would affect my sleep. It would affect my performance the next day because my HRV was never optimal. And those are the things that I learned when I was starting to understand the data that I was getting from the Aura Ring. And there's other, obviously there's other devices that can be, that can be used, but I, I like the Aura um, specifically. But that's that's kind of important to talk about, you know. And when you're talking about intermittent fasting, you know, I did a podcast early on about intermittent fasting, and actually, it's funny enough, I'm I'm on, I'm working on a 24-hour fast now, so I have six more hours left to go. But nice, I, I have a busy schedule for the next five hours, so it should keep me away from thinking about food. But it's I think that's that's definitely critical is to keep yourself busy when you're doing yeah. the longer like one day or three day or even five day fast. You know, you got to stay busy. Um, the one hour fast is is surmountable. I think everybody should be doing that um, once a month, just one for the you know autophagy benefits and, um, you know, the gut benefits, but also for mental clarity and just, you know, a little bit of development, a little bit of developing, you know, that mental fortitude. I think it's important to challenge yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be something where you, you can work your way up to it. You know, like you could start doing intermittent fasting, you know, 16 hours where you're fasting and, and cutting that window down to eight hours and then slowly working the way to where you're doing 24 hour fast. That's how I did it. And you may not appreciate the benefits and not get adapted to that style of, of fasting for a while, but I would encourage people to stay with it because the benefits are so good for your body. It optimizes the gut, you know, it optimizes your system because as you were talking about, autophagy is huge because it cleans out all the cellular debris and recycles things. And your body does not have a chance to get that if you're constantly in a state of feeding. And it's, that's why it's important to really curtail these feeding windows to like eight hours and compress them into even six hours. That way your body has more time to like do what it's supposed to do and heal and help clean itself. And it's also in a state where you're reducing inflammation, which can help reduce the instances of chronic disease and cancer, which was in my situation that I ended up having as a result of chronic inflammation. So all these things that we're talking about, these steps that we're taking to help the body to use proper products and to eliminate products with excess chemicals is just to really to reinforce how important it is to allow the body to heal. And it has an amazing, uncanny ability to heal itself as long as we give it the opportunity to. Um, I totally agree. Um, and I think I was listening to a podcast the other day or just a clipping from one um, in which Jocko Willink was talking to another uh, veteran about food. And they're both just behemoths of guys. I was watching it on YouTube and I'm just looking at these guys like, oh my God, these guys probably weigh 50 pounds more than me. They are beasts. And they're here sitting talking about food and how they think about food and how they can, you know, help, you know, give recommendations to people that are looking to start their sort of wellness journey. And, you know, something they said when it came to fasting was that, um, you know, here are these guys that are just 
gargantuan in size. And I know that's, I brought it up multiple times now, but I bring it up to illustrate the fact that like they do day long, two day fast, et cetera. And they're just fine. So the idea of like, you know, you're big, you, you should, you shouldn't have to fast. is just like sort of ludicrous. Um, you're totally capable of it, even if you're a large human and the benefits are, you know, there for, for whatever size you are. And what they said, interestingly, which is the main point I wanted to make was that if you're someone who, you know, has an addiction or propensity to eat, you know, more sugary foods, like, you know, carbohydrates, for example, um, you know, fasting really resets the system and pretty much any food, especially like really healthy food, like, you know, let's just say chicken and vegetables and some healthy fats as the meal you eat when you break your fast will taste great. You know, just like the addiction, you know, that you sort of satisfy when you eat a donut, you know, how it feels like very satiating and it's like very satisfying, etc. This sort of fasting protocol or the idea of fasting and, and, and execution does the same thing. And it really allows you to appreciate food more. And, you know, if you're breaking your fast with quote unquote healthy food, you'll start to gravitate more towards that because you can really taste the nutrition in it when you're, you know, breaking your fast. I don't know if that's something you've experienced personally, but I can definitely attest to that. Well, I definitely know that after a 24-hour fast or even longer, the food that I put into my body is just so much more delicious. But it's important to really state that when you are fasting, whether it's an intermittent fasting regimen or you're a full-day fast or a multi-day fast, that the refeeding is really important because you really want to put into your system proper nutrients like proteins and, and um, uh, proper vegetables and carbohydrates. You don't want to go out there and refeed and the first thing that you do is eat a bowl of ice cream. It's, it's, exactly. That's very that's counterproductive as to the reason why you're fasting. It's going to take away all the benefits of fasting pretty quickly. So it's really important to you know to the first thing that I would recommend doing is to properly consume enough protein into your system because that's the, the amino acids that formulate the, the protein. I mean, it's a fundamental thing that is broken down into when we eat, and we need those amino acids because those are like the building blocks of our entire system. And also, what it's important to point out is we also want to do these fasting routines and it's okay that if you're weightlifting and you're worried about, well, if I don't eat, I'm going to lose muscle mass. Not specifically, if you're doing fasting, it's muscle sparing. You're not going to sit there and break down muscle. And that's been proven again by the science behind fasting. It's muscle sparing. So why it works so well is that you break down your, your body's fat to actually produce the energy that's needed to get through the day and that's that's your source of energy and it doesn't break down protein uh, it doesn't break down the muscle to, and, and that's that's really important to point out um, so I'm sure you're, you're you're following those those I mean what, what's the longest you've, you've fasted I've almost done two days um, I, I need to do the five day I, I, I at some point I need to do that I just need to to mentally sort of block off some time. It may need to happen during this quarantine because there's not really a better time. There's no real temptations or anything out in the world. So right. um, I've done about a day and a half. And let me tell you, that first meal after you, uh, after you re or during the refeed uh, phase, if you will, is just like, it's truly epic. Um, <laughs> it really is. And back to your, back to your point though, about, you know, building muscle mass. Um, if you're someone that, is really like almost neurotic about, you know, retaining your muscle mass and, you know, for, to put it in more layman's terms, you know, holding on to your gains, 
then if you're training fasted in the morning, you can definitely take, you know, amino, various um, combinations of amino acids to essentially, you know, provide energy to your body so that it's not kicking into, um, you know, your, your muscles, if you will. Um, but like you said, there's tons of substantiated research behind fasting, you know, of course, you know, diving into the fat first. But if you're someone who's extra worried about that and doesn't necessarily believe the literature, you know, amino acids are a great thing to turn to if you need energy and are training in the morning fasted. So whenever I train in the morning, which is rare, I'd like to train more in the evenings because you're typically stronger then based on the circadian rhythm. I will use um, Keon Aminos, Ben Greenfield's company um, to feel, you know, fueled and uh, energized when I train. And I've found that, you know, those workouts are almost as good as the workouts in the evening, which I do all the time. I don't know. When do, when do you train? It varies. I usually it's uh, I train around midday, um, but if I am fasting, I'd like to do something in the morning um, just because I want to deplete those glycogen stores that's in my liver. So uh, that helps me to get more into a fasted state and allows my, metabolize, my metabolism to kick in and really use the fuel from fats and breaks down the fats for energy. So that's why I do that. I'm not diligent enough to be honest, but I think that's if anyone's to entertain, this would be the right way of doing it is to work out in the morning in a fasted state. That's just what I feel is best. But you're right, though. I think the amino acids definitely helps and, and you don't necessarily need it. Um, but if you're one of those people who is you know, really worried about your gains and you can pop in the amino acids in the morning is really not going to really curtail or not really hurt the fasting protocol. And, yeah, I, I've tried to shift towards the morning workout um, myself, and I've just found that you know I feel stronger in the evenings, which yeah. aligns sort of with the circadian rhythm, training around four thirty or five, and grip, maximum grip strength too. Um, but you know, I've I've pushed to, to train in the mornings more, and it, it's really just about me sucking it up and just going through the adjustment right. period and allowing my body to adjust. Like it's definitely a little frazzled when I train in the morning because it's like, wait a second. You know, you almost, you know, 90 plus percent of the time you're training, you know, after two or three meals and, um, you know, typically it's in the evening, but from a productivity standpoint, especially if you're a busy person, you know, training in the morning is important, but, you know, I've found, I've just personally found in my anecdotal experience that, you know, I've, I've struck a nice balance between performance. So with my training, you know, focus on, you know, being a little bit stronger in the evening and being able to push it a little bit more, but also adopting all those other habits that will sort of benefit me in the long term. Intermittent fasting, sleep, etc. Um, do you do you take naps? By the way, uh, so I don't take a nap. It's just my mind goes too crazy for me to like really go into a state where I can calm it down and sleep. But what I do is I cheat a little bit. I I listen to binaural beats, and while I do that, I'm sitting on my PMF mat, and that actually helps me to recover. Both a combination of listening to the beats and on the pulse electromagnetic frequency mat. It actually helps stimulate my cells and allows more oxygen delivery and also helps with performance. But specifically, I listen to the beats because after about 20 minutes of listening to this, it puts me into this really relaxed alpha state. And so it's very much like a meditative state. So it's a poor man's way of meditating. But for me, it's what I need to do to optimize my day and to optimize my performance without actually physically meditating or taking a nap. I do something very similar. I don't have the PEMF mat. I've done that before and love it. It feel, It's like a wild feeling. Um, you're talking about the thing that sort of like shakes a little bit, right? And it has the, um, the electro nodes or whatever going through it. 
it's like glue, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So I found that to be like a, a quite a, quite a, like an out of body experience, especially when you pair that with binaural beats. So I'm definitely picking up what you're putting down there. And I myself um, use binaural beats when I quote unquote, like meditate, I call it more of like a consciousness nap. So I typically set, you know, 20 minutes directly after lunch, about the same time as you, I lay down, I listen to a 10 minute guided meditation. And then for the next 10 minutes, I put on binaural beats and I set an alarm so that if I actually pass out, which oftentimes does happen, um, you know, I wake up and, you know, I typically feel like totally rejuvenated if I felt a little tired before, because I get the benefits of working on my breath and sort of, you know, peacefully, um, you know, putting my mind at ease from the meditation. But then I also get the sort of like exogenous benefit of forcing myself into a relaxed state from the binaural beats as well, which by the way, if you're someone who struggles with sleeping on an airplane, I found that binaural beats um, are excellent to sort of get you in a relaxed state and remove a little bit of the anxiety of flying and, you know, help you get to sleep. That's, that's a hack that I've just sort of stumbled upon myself. And it definitely beats getting that glass of wine or, or that cocktail <laughs> to, to alleviate. That helps too. <laughs> so but what else? Um, we, so we've, we've hit upon a lot of different things, but one thing that we really haven't touched base on is um, we have a few minutes left to discuss is um, spirituality. Like, you know, I know it's, it's right now it's interesting because we're in a, in a time where we're facing our own internal demons because we're forced to look at them by being constrained and being at home by ourselves and, and there's not a whole lot to do. So you're left with really dealing with your personal like emotions. You also help dealing with your inner demons. And one of the things that I've um, talked about in my book and I'm exploring more and more to develop my spirituality and also to help me heal from you know inside out is utilizing psychedelics. And since I've been at home, you know, I'm able to use it a little bit more frequently than, I'm, than I have in the past. And I'm, honestly, it, it's been helping me deal with a lot of the stuff that I'm that is going on out there. And also, I feel it's interesting because I, I think it also, I'm, I'm tuning in to the collective unconscious a little bit more. And I'm tuning into a lot of the fears and anxieties. But at the same time, it's allowing me to raise my vibrational energy so that anyone who I influence will be indirectly affected in a positive way. And that's why I continue to do it because not only does it help me, but it helps other people who might come into contact with. What about you? I know you've dabbled in some of psychedelics and Austin seems to be a hotbed for psychedelic work. Yeah. So I think psychedelics, generally speaking, are a very powerful tool when used respectfully and appropriately to you know, further your mind, and then also really look deeply inwards, as you said, um, you know, for folks that haven't had the opportunity to, for whatever reason, um, you know, use various psychedelics, um, you know, there's definitely a stigma attached to it still, like on a national and potentially global level. But, you know, fortunately, now, there's a massive movement happening um, with a variety of different psychedelics from LSD to psilocybin and MDMA, and a few others, including ketamine as well that you know has real clinical benefits um, medical benefits with studies and um you know very happy people who have used these um you know substances or medicines if you will um to benefit them in massive ways specifically for you know ptsd depression anxiety etc um you know i i don't necessarily suffer from any of those at like a chronic level but you know i'm sure the majority of people in this world you know have the, have their own anxieties and whatnot and i've found you know, as someone who definitely had 
you know, a little bit higher anxiety than probably the average person. You know, ever since I started, you know, using psychedelics, um, you know, that's definitely dissipated. One, not just because of the exogenous substance that I'm taking, but more because of the awareness that those substances bring to me um, or help bring to me. So, yes, in my personal experience, you know, psychedelics can be very, very powerful. In, in really helping you look inwards and, you know, just addressing problems that you know are there on a daily basis, whether that's, you know, you react angrily to people too often or you let, you know, one small minute thing bother you consistently, but you don't do anything about it. And for me personally, psychedelics have brought a lot of awareness to that and in my opinion have helped make me a much better person. And as you put it, you know, raising vibrational energy, I think what that means sort of in layman's terms from my understanding is you know, you're, you're just a better person, you know, you're happier, you have, a, you know, a lot more awareness about your faults. And for me personally, too, you know, it's helped diminish my ego and, and use it more strategically. And thus, you know, the people around me, you know, both in my inner circle and sort of the outer circle that I touch are, are, are sort of all benefactors of that, you know, better Ben, if you will. Right. And I think that's, that leads to sort of more of a spiritual enlightenment, because it allows you to understand your purpose in life and it allows you to understand that there is a universe that we can get connected to and we're connected to everyone else we're all like we're all connected in some way and this is kind of like important to understand because we're right now we're facing a situation where we may be feeling lonely and we may have issues with that but part of spirituality is understanding that we're all connected and to combat some of this loneliness that we're feeling is it's important to really utilize the method of being of service to others and that's how i've been able to move forward with my spiritual enlightenment with with the use of psychedelics and and mind you that you know i don't want to sit there and and promote an illegal activity there's there's an underground movement there's also right now going on there's multiple clinical trials that are going on with the usage of um, mdma and psilocybin uh, throughout the country and there's multiple organizations that are holding trials as well and the whole idea behind this is to really promote this in a healthy way so that it can become legalized because there's so much great benefits to utilizing these medicines. And, and like you mentioned before, um, like MDMA uh, is very, very popular in, in the utilization for PTSD. It's been shown that it has been, uh, there's an 80% cure rate with just one or two sessions. And that's why the FDA has fast-tracked this medicine you know, for it to be, become legal, hopefully in the, within the next year or two. And you're also seeing things, more, more trials um, and more things that are coming for the uses of psilocybin, which is also known as magic mushrooms. And, and the rationale behind this is it's giving people, it's increasing their spirituality. It's allowing them to be more fulfilled, not necessarily curing, but it is alleviating things such as anxiety and depression. And it also has uh, a tendency to help with addiction. Personally, for me, before I started my spiritual encounter with psychedelics, I was suffering from a lot of isolation, uh, a lot of anxiety, and, and this is all stemming from my history of cancer and a divorce that resulted from me going through cancer treatment and, and, and cancer. And I didn't understand how bad I was until I started to delve into psychedelics as it gave me an opportunity to understand um, what it's like to be more in the moment instead of ruminating about the future and having regrets about the past. And that was really for me front and center when I did my first psychedelic experience. And it continues to be that way when I, and I do more of it. I, t I continue to have more improvements with my daily life. I'm more focused on doing things that help me heal from within. I don't really care about things 
like materialism anymore. It's not something that I'm really focused on. I used to have businesses and run businesses and my whole way of thought was, let's see how much money we can make or let's see how much power, you know, it's going to bring me. I don't have that anymore. And I really feel that's a, a, a significant result of my utilization of psychedelics and spiritual enlightenment. And there's been numerous studies to purport all this. Um, if you just Google this, you can see all the research that's been in there. And I quote a lot of research in my book when I discuss psychedelics. And, and so it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a really been enjoyable talking to you about this because it's not many people are, are very comfortable in talking about this topic, but I think it's, I think it's awesome that we can have this open discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think given what you do for a living, you know, you help people, um, the very nature of sort of breaking down your ego and bringing more awareness, um, to the various, I don't want to use the word faults, but I'm sure you know what I'm saying, um, can really go a long way and make you much better at what you do, whether you help people for a living or, or otherwise. Um, you know, I, I view psychedelics as a very powerful tool when used appropriately and respectfully. Again, got to get that asterisk in there, um, you know, in the right set and setting um, and making sure that whatever you are using is, is pure and clean. Um, candidly speaking, they can be extremely helpful. And, you know, all the research and studies that are being done now that have helped, you know, some of the guys that have come back from Iraq um, and Afghanistan and the other various parts of the Middle East um, with the PTSD is, is quite overwhelming. And honestly, I think we're going to see uh, a monumental shift in the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry, you know, as these um, medicines become legalized and taking off, taken off the schedule, um, you know, especially to help people. So, you know, gone are the reliance, you know, on antidepressants, hopefully, and, um, you know, lengthy and costly PTSD treatments when, you know, in a matter of one to two sessions, you know, a couple hundred bucks, you know, you can really provide significant relief to folks who've suffered through, you know, beyond traumatic events, whether that's at war or in a car crash or some sort of um, other traumatic experience. You know, that to me is, is reason enough to really, you know, start to pay more attention to this. And I think, you know, the, the older generations that really have a negative stigma attached to psychedelics because of the 70s and the Vietnam War and whatnot, they'll start to even, um, you know, start to have a more open mind as they see the research and the benefits here. You know, they may never be fully convinced by it and, and willing to try it, you know, maybe like you and I, but we just need everybody to get on board with this because this is an inevitability. It's going to happen regardless. It's better to be on the right side of this than the wrong side of this. And, um, you know, like you said, at a more sort of superficial level, you know, they're also fun. You know, it's important to sort of disconnect from, you know, your, your nine to five and um, all the anxieties that come along with that. And, you know, maybe your relationships or some sort of stress and trauma you're going through and, you know, use these tools as a benefit to yourself and, and your, and your psyche and your subconscious and beyond. So, um, you know, I definitely enjoyed reading the chapter in your book about, you know, your experience with psychedelics. And I, and I find it funnily like ironic that, um, you know, psychedelics always seem to find people at the right moment, if that makes exactly. sense. So, you know, in your case, you were obviously undergoing, you know, a massive amount of stress, you know, regarding your health and, um, you know, your relationship and probably much more than that. And for whatever reason, it found you, um, the medicines or whatever found you at the right time and, you know, helped you sort of climb out of that figurative abyss um, that you sounded like you were in and, you know, were a large part of your healing process. So that's obviously great to hear. Yeah, and I, and I the healing process is just there. There's so many layers to it. it it's I can 
even understand where to begin when I talk about it because it's it's very subjective experience and it's hard to really quantify it because it's there's no real measurement in it other than how you're seeing things from your perspective and how it changes from a day to day. And I personally have seen so many different people who have undergone the utilization of psychedelics improve in so many facets of their life. And the area that I'm fascinated about is how in the mental health arena, how it really improves their, their mental health. And, you know, there's, there's with the utilization of magic mushrooms and other psychedelics, it, it, there's something that's called neuroplasticity where there's increased connections that are formed in the brain that weren't otherwise there. And there's also documentation that shows that it actually repairs connections that have been otherwise severed, whether it's from excess chemicals that we put in our body from foods we put in or, or, um, uh, products that we're using topically, the chemicals do get into our brain and some of these connections are severed. And it's interesting how the utilization of, of magic mushrooms or psilocybin can actually help repair and improve those connections. And I find it fascinating because the people who have used these medicines who have in my circle and, and people that I, I use with, a lot of them have been on medicines to help with their depression. And it's interesting to me, after like a few sessions, they're able to get off their antidepressants 100% without having any withdrawal issues, without having any rebound depression. And it's simply because they just, the, the psychedelics are helping with that. It's helping improving and changing their brain chemistry so they don't need to be on these medicines, uh, be on antidepressants anymore. Yeah, um, totally. It's, it's really a conversation that I'm sure we can delve into and speak about our experiences over many, many hours, I'm sure. But because we're running out of time, and I know you have a lot of things to do on your plate for the day, and, and um, I'm going to try and keep busy so that I don't think about food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll make it through. It sounds like you're a... Uh... You're a fasting veteran, but it, it was wonderful to chat with you. And, um, you know, just in tying up that psychedelic discussion, you know, I think reading one, your book, um, because, you know, obviously you're a doctor and you can talk, you walk people through, um, you know, the, the very process of, you know, finding out that you have cancer, how, how you sort of got through that, and then how you sort of uh, went from sort of zero to one after you were in remission, you know, through spirituality and psychedelics. That's a very, that's a very powerful narrative because, you know, this isn't some, you know, punk 21 year old who eats a bunch of mushrooms and goes to like heady rock concerts right. talking about it, right? Like, you are a respected member of society, um, you're clinical, and, you know, you provide, you know, evidence and whatnot. But I think, you know, for some of the folks that are not still not convinced by this, obviously, do your own research on Google. But, you know, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan was a pretty influential book um, in the psychedelic community that really looks at things from a clinical perspective as well and explains like the history behind why there's stigma attached to psychedelics, um, what we're doing now on the, on the clinical side and, and trial side to sort of get on the right side of this and get these, um, you know, medicines legalized for, for medical purposes. And then, you know, anecdotally, the author, Michael, um, also dives into his personal experiences with them as, as a pretty skeptical critic of it prior to writing the book, too. So that could be a good piece of literature for folks who are willing to learn more to, to dive into it. Hundred percent, and I also did a podcast earlier um, in my, um, I think back in January or so, that um, I had a discussion with Dr. Dan Engel, and he and I went in and did a deep dive on psychedelics, its history, its utilization, and what's in store for the future. And uh, I probably need to update that too because there's so many changes that are going on um, with psychedelics from day to day, week to week. So I'll need to have another discussion with an expert like him. But yeah, for for our listeners. 
where can they find you on the internet about yourself and about your products? Yeah, totally. So the brand is uh, at let's.disco on Instagram. Hopefully one day it'll be just at disco. We're working on that. Give us some time. Um, on the web, we're letsdisco.co. So that's letsdisco.co. And then if you care enough to you know follow me, I am uh, just at Benjamin J. Smith 5 on Instagram. Um, but you know, would obviously prefer folks to to visit the brand over myself because I don't really find myself that interesting. <laughs> There's that self-deprecation coming in that you mentioned at the beginning of the call. There we go. <laughs> I knew we'd find it in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Well, Ben, I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for being on our show and uh, look forward to chatting with you sometime soon. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, Dr. Nagula. Talk to you soon. Take care.